Welcome to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by Limitless Estates, where Kyle and Lolita talk to top experts and seasoned passive investors in the business to help provide clarity and key insights to keep you safe on your journey to financial freedom. Our goal is to help you get educated on how to create passive income for you and your family by using real estate as your vehicle. Now, here are your hosts, Kyle and Lolita. Thanks for tuning into another episode of the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast. I'm your co-host, Lolita, also joined by Kyle. If you're looking for financial independence and want to implement real estate as a way to achieve that, you're in the right place in the right hands because today we have Michael Blanc as our special guest. Michael, thanks so much for being here with us. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me. Great. If you recognize Michael's name, you're either an active investor in the multifamily space or you're a listener of his popular podcast, Apartment Building Investing with Michael Blanc. He controls over $27 million in performing multifamily assets all over the U.S. and has raised over $6 million. So I'll let you take it from here. Michael, could you please tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you currently do? Yeah. So we're one, currently one of the leading authorities on teaching people how to be active investors in multifamily syndications but also how to be passive investors in multifamily syndications because both paths feel, uh, lead to the same thing, which is passive income, financial freedom. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Awesome. So can you take us through your story of how you came about uh, investing in apartment buildings and now having a thought leadership platform and educating others to get started in this space? Yeah, it just it didn't take, it took a couple of days to get there. But so I have my background, uh, like a lot of people, uh, I was taught to go to school, get good grades, get a good job, and that's what I did. I decided uh, to go into computer science. When I got out, I was actually programming stuff. So I worked some time for America Online and then joined a software startup. In, uh, in 2000, the company went public and put a bunch of money in my pocket, which was great. And then I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and it ruined my life because I realized that my financial plan was all, all wrong. It doesn't matter how much money I have in the, in the bank. It, mean, it, it mattered how much passive income I had, and I didn't have any, really. So I, I decided to kind of give it all up, quit my job and pursue this passive income thing. And I decided to do everything at once. So I flipped a couple houses. I learned how to train stocks and options. I took an apartment building boot camp. But my big idea was to get into restaurants because I was surrounded by these restaurant guys, the franchisees. And they're like, oh, it costs this much to open. You hire a guy, you run all the restaurants and you sit back and count the passive income. I was like, sweet. That's what I did. So I went all in with the passive incomes. Uh, I also passively invested with a few other people because I had this money that I felt I needed to deploy. So I just went all in. Long story short, I subsequently lost my IPO millions, both on the passive side and on the restaurant side, and clawed my way out with real estate. Like so many people, it was with uh, single family house investing. I also got into some apartment buildings. And after a while, I was like, man, I was great, making great money on the house flipping side, uh, but it was so much work. And it wasn't really the lifestyle or the goal that I was seeking. And that really puzzled me until I figured out that, man, I, meanwhile, these apartment buildings are sending me mailbox money, but they weren't nearly as exciting. So I was like, man, I, I got to start doing more of this and less of that. And that's when I started blogging about it. People were like, well, how are you uh, finding these deals? How are you raising money? How are you structuring these deals? And uh, you know, I developed a, a syndicated deal analyzer and an online course. And today we have, you know, we have online training. We have a podcast, YouTube channel. 
um, live events, all really geared to helping the active investor become active in multifamily and educating the passive investors in this asset class, which in my opinion is the best investment on the planet for various different reasons. Can you talk through your mindset of what it took to kind of pick yourself up after losing millions in that pizza franchise investment and then finding uh, real estate as your kind of final vehicle? Yeah, it's interesting. I actually have a whole podcast episode on, on this and a chapter in Kyle Wilson's book as well that talks about that because it was really, um, it was kind of a, a spiritual journey for me because what, see what happens is, so, I mean, I, I was, I was kind of grew up, you know, Christian went to church and everything, but I really never had to, I really never had to, you know, rely on God for anything, if I say so. And what happened in this time is, you know, something happens, you're like, oh my gosh, it can't get any worse than this. And you kind of accept that fact. And then it gets worse. And then you go through these emotions. Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? You get panic. You get, you know, you get, you get depressed, you get angry. And at one point you kind of, you, you have, you accept it at one point, at least you try to. And then like, okay, you settle in for the new next worst scenario. And then it gets even worse. And, um, and in the beginning, it was really wearing on me, like physically and emotionally, until I learned that, first of all, I don't control anything. I try to. I'm kind of a control freak. I, I don't control anything. And I needed to learn to uh, bec become at peace with whatever happens around me. And, uh, and those are some valuable lessons around that. And, and so by the time it got really bad, as in like I lost like all my money and, and I was maxed out on every credit card I possibly had. I was actually relatively calm at that point. So that was kind of the mindset. And then what happened out of that is like, man, I was like, I was like, I was having a conversation with God. So I said, what should I do next? So I was like polishing up my resume. Maybe I'll go back into software. I was like, that can't be it. Instead, I got the very strong sensation that I should share with other people uh, what has worked and what has not has worked to become better entrepreneurs and achieve financial freedom, even though I hadn't achieved it yet. I had it for about three and a half years, which was great. And so I made the decision to start blogging about it. The only problem with God's business plan was that it really sucked because it had no, uh, no chance of making money like within the next week or so. And I did it anyway. And I think there was a shift from, you know, just looking out for myself to a large degree and taking care of other people, even though I have no direct benefit from that. And because of this combination of me being at peace where I was and trying to figure out how can I serve other people, things just happened much faster. Deals started coming to me. Uh, uh, money started coming to me, people started buying my stuff. And it was, it was really, it's, I couldn't have done it myself, honestly. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good, but I'm not that good. <laughs> Would you go through that whole process again of losing all your money, you know, being kind of in a situation where you're not sure where to go um, to get to where you are today? No. You wouldn't go through it? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So here, no, the answer is still no. But, but, but here, here's, here's the thing. I mean, people go through these, these situations and they're very, very unpleasant to go through. But I've started asking my question now, what am I supposed to learn? What is it about my character that is flawed that needs to improve? And so when things uh, don't go my way or they, they just are bad, uh, that's the kind of question I ask. I wouldn't so, say I invite these things. However, I have now acknowledged, I now know that these experiences make me a better person. Yeah. Awesome. So was there something that you could have done differently in your pizza franchises, kind of going back to that, that may have maybe, you know, made them a bit more of a success? Yeah. So um, the answer is yes. I should have had a mentor. Uh, my problem was that I was, I was, I was young, arrogant, and with a lot of money and that combination. And, and I felt like I, I, I felt like I was enlightened by reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So I felt this immense, immense pressure to deploy my capital. 
And, and a mentor who has maybe been there would have said, hey, Michael, why don't you slow down a little bit? You know, you're, going, you're pretty aggressive about this thing. Why don't you slow down, see if it works? Okay, if it works, well, then, you know, do some more and do some more. And I just, I just went all in. Uh, and also, hindsight, a mentor who may have been around a little bit long while, I would have said, you know what? This restaurant thing is actually kind of risky. Do you know that the success rate of restaurants is like really low? And even if you do crush it, your, your, your timeline of being successful at restaurants is like five to seven years until you have to reinvent yourself. Did you know this? I'm like, no. Uh, did you know that in, you probably should have gone into multifamily uh, apartments? Gosh, could I imagine going, getting in there in 2008 and, and nine and 10? Holy moly. So that is the short answer. I really, I, I went about it all on my own. And that was the fundamental flaw. Talk about some of the ways you teach people to become financially free by investing in apartment buildings. You talk a little bit about uh, doing it without experience and cash. Is, is that really possible? It really is. Yeah, it, it really is. And I didn't think it was in the beginning uh, because I, I felt like, my gosh, I got to flip some houses and I got to do some, some landlording. And then I will then qual I'll take that money that and I'll roll into this advanced strategy. Well, it didn't actually work that way for a variety of different reasons. Number one, you get no credit for flipping houses with commercial real estate brokers. They're like, yeah, I could care less. Uh, and also, a lot of your investors on the single family house really don't like buy and hold stuff for five years. So they didn't really transition either. So that was like, son of a gun. So I'm starting over from scratch. And I kind of, there, at the time, there really wasn't much a lot of education around this. But now I know that you can overcome lack of experience very quickly by educating yourself and by surrounding yourself with a team. And you can overcome your lack of personal resources by raising the capital. And this can all be done within, gosh. 30, 60, 90 days, like extremely fast. You don't have to spend 10 years uh, of flipping houses or landlording. And the other thing I discovered is there's and so many different ways for people to get into this, into this game with the same result. You can be a passive investor. You can be an active investor. But within the active, you can be a deal finder and you can join venture or partner with someone who has the money. You can be a capital raiser and, and you can partner with someone who's a deal finder. So these are all the different ways that people uh, can get into the game, with, again, with the same end result, which is passive income, long-term wealth, pay less taxes. What are some of the key team members that you think, from a passive investor standpoint, they should be focused on adding on to their team? Well, I mean, certainly a good CPA, I think, from a passive investor side, because the benefits of real estate are extraordinary. Uh, the depreciation, the bonus depreciation, uh, they are amazing, but you need a good CPA uh, to work with you because the average CPA is not going to understand all the benefits and how to squeeze all the last benefits out of investing in, in real estate. So I think that's number one. Number two, uh, without doubt, is, 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 is finding and going deep with one or maybe two operators. Operators are the, the active investor who's actually doing the project, finding the project, managing the project, right? As a passive investor, I, I interviewed uh, Doug Marshall just the other day, and he, he's, for the last 10 years, only invested with one guy. Like, you don't need a bunch of guys or gals to, to invest with, but sometimes you got to kiss a few frogs to get to the one that, you know, that's going to work out. But really, that person that you want to invest with, that's key. Finding that person on your team uh, is absolutely key. And once you've found the right person, you trust them, you like them, uh, you know, they do a good job, they have a great track record. There's no reason why you just can't invest with that person over and over again. Yeah. So, you know, after hearing your story, it seems like becoming an entrepreneur or a real estate investor or what have you, it, it's really all about mindset, right? You could have easily folded up shop after you lost your millions after the pizza debacle, but instead you kind of picked yourself up. Are there any book suggestions that you have or morning routines that you go through to kind of get your mind right in the morning? 
Well, since you asked specifically around the morning, the answer is yes. Uh, that book is uh, The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. In fact, he's speaking at my conference uh, end of July at the Dealmaker Live. He'll be keynoting nice. there. And I was so glad I was able to get him. His book made a material difference in my life about four years ago. So that, that morning routine I've always struggled with. And he's very systematic about what to do in the first 60 minutes of your, of your day. And it was so helpful to me. And it's made a, a huge difference because normally you wake up and you're immediately putting out fires. You're running, you're running, you're running. You go to bed and you're like, oh my gosh. And you have no time to reflect on, on your character, what you've done right, what you've done wrong. Uh, no time to reflect on, hey, what are the important things I need to be working on uh, today, this week, this month, um, um, setting long-term goals, uh, being silent, all that kind of stuff. And he talks about that in his book. So really excited that he's going to be uh, speaking at a conference. Yeah, awesome. Would you mind taking through uh, taking us through what your morning routine is? Well, so so Hal in his in his book, uh, The Morning Morning, teaches kind of a, a system of what he calls, I think, savor. And I don't, I can't exactly do it wrong, but it's uh, it's basically silence, uh, silence, affirmations, visualizations. Uh, uh, gosh, what is it? Uh, I forget it now. I forget exercise. journaling. So write exercise. Thank you. And then there's journaling in there and there's meditation. And I got the acronyms wrong, but essentially that's, that, that's kind of the sequence. And you don't have to do all of them, uh, but there's a rhythm of those, of those things. And then he suggests a few, a few tools uh, for journaling, uh, hard book uh, journals or apps and things of that nature. So yeah, I, I, I read his book about three years ago and it kind of changed my morning routine as well. So oh, excellent. every morning and, you know, just really get your mindset off, right. So you can kind of achieve the day, right? Yeah, that's right. That's so important. So what are some of the things you would suggest to new real estate investors to do to ensure success and kind of limit their downside, especially at the part of the cycle that we're in right now? We're we talking about passive, active, both? Uh, either. Let's say I'm getting started in real estate right now and I want to be an active investor. What are some of the things that I could do to ensure that, you know, I'm not going to completely tank? What are, what are some of the key pieces in getting started? Well, let me start a little bit at the higher level. So, so in the active investing space, the, the active real estate investing space is very broad. The first step is to decide which strategy you want to pursue because there's so many of them. I mean, you can flip land, you can get into mobile home parks, you can landlord, you can flip houses, you can wholesale. You got to decide which of the strategies you want to pursue because there's so many of them. And to help you decide what that is, you really got to figure out what is it that you want in your lifestyle, okay? Because if you want true financial freedom, you're not going to get it with flipping houses. Uh, you're not going to get it by landlording. It's much harder to get unless you architect your business up front in a way that allows you to do that. Most people don't think that through. They say, oh, I'm going to buy a house a year. And then they get the five houses and they're ready to kill themselves. So be very clear about what you want. The, the goal is not to be a real estate investor. The goal is to be financially free. Okay. I was very confused about that. Once you're clear and you say, hey, gosh, this multifamily thing is actually pretty cool. I can get started uh, now. I don't have to wait. And I can I can become financially free within one one to two years. That's really exciting to me. Well, if that's if that's you, then you have to step one is you have to educate yourself. Uh, and there's a lot of great education now. It wasn't the case ten years ago, but you know I have a great programs. There's other people who have programs. Find someone you resonate with and just go deep. You're gonna have to invest in your education, and it might cost you some money to do that. It does not may not cost you fifty thousand dollars, but it may cost you something. You have to educate yourself so so much for a variety of different reasons. One is you have to know what you're talking about and you have to be a, a confident as you interact with brokers and investors. And if you're not, you're, they're just going to ask you for proof of funds and send you on your merry way. It also prepares you for this other question you had, Kyle, which is 
you know, how do you not lose your shirt? And it doesn't really matter what market we're going in. Uh, you can make money in an up market, sideways market, down market, doesn't matter. The point is you need to educate yourself so, so that you uh, don't make these mistakes. And if you can afford it, hire a mentor, an experienced mentor who will accelerate your timeline, allow you to go bigger and avoid the really uh, expensive mistakes. Are you still purchasing apartments at this stage in the cycle? Yes. What would you say to people who are kind of waiting on the sideline uh, and saying, oh, I'm just going to wait for a crash or a correction and then start purchasing? You know, those are the same people who once the crash uh, 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 happens, will say, why don't I wait till the recovery happens? All right. So the truth is it's never a good time to do anything. Never. I've never seen a perfect opportunity. In hindsight, the perfect opportunity would have been in, in, in 2008 and nine, right? But there was blood in the streets. Everybody was running away and no one knew where the bottom was going to be. So you, if you try to mar time the market, no one can actually do it. Like some people claim they maybe got lucky once or one, one time. No one can time the market. Now you can try. Uh, and, and we try to quote time the market. We find, try to find markets that are, you know, that are, that are growing. A rising tide lifts all boats. But number one is there will never be a perfect time. Time is always right now. The question is, how do you do it, right? And, and it's really no different than, uh, than if the market is going gangbusters or it's recovering or it's going down. You have to buy right. You have to understand what your, what your uh, investment criteria are. And as you, for example, if you analyze multifamily or commercial real estate, you need a strong financial analysis tool. And you have to, you have to and not only that, that's easy to do. You can buy my analyzer or someone else's. And that, the tool itself is not the, it's the assumptions that go into the tool, right? Are you being overly aggressive uh, in, your, in your underwriting, your analysis, or your assumptions? And, 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 and if you try to be more conservative, does that kill the deal? Well, if that kills a the deal, then you can't do the deal anymore. So now you're frustrated because you can't do a deal. So maybe I should compromise my investment criteria a little bit more. So the people that are, um, that are making mistakes are people who are either not educated properly or they, they're so eager to do a deal that they're, they're compromising their investment criteria. The more seasoned people, maybe us, others, they are sticking to their, to their guns. They're underwriting very conservatively. They're underwriting higher interest rates. They're underwriting higher cap rates. They're putting a lot of extra reserves out of the profit and loss statement to uh, insulate ourselves from any kind of correction uh, from the, that the market might get. But having said that, look at how multifamily performed in the last recession. It was, it was by far the best asset class out of any, anything, oil, gas, uh, oil, gas, stocks, other uh, commercial real estate like, like, multi, um, like office or retail. I mean, almost everyone rode out the storm because they had cash flow. And that solves all your problem. Unless you had, you know, three-year interest-only arms and no cash flow, then you had a problem in the recession. But almost everybody who didn't have that, which was the vast majority, had no problem. They said, "Oh gosh, I can't, I can't uh, sell right now." Like I was planning. Well, that's okay. I'll just hold it for another couple of years. And they did, and everything was fine. What are some of the things you're doing differently now than maybe four or five years ago to try and find deals? Because it's definitely very competitive. And if you're keeping your underwriting conservative, others are being more aggressive, you know, there's definitely going to be less deals out there. Is there something that you're doing a little bit differently now to find some? My situation is a little bit different because I have people bringing deals to me because we have this deal desk joint venturing program. On the other hand, though, uh, I, I, I know what our students are doing who are maybe a little bit more, more of a, they're just getting started. They don't have much of a track record. And the, by far the number one best way to get deals is through brokers. 
And the best way to get deals through brokers is by getting them to know, know, like, and trust you and to take you seriously. And again, that is a function of education, using the right language, being skilled at analysis. Uh, and then what happens is once you build rapport with those, with those brokers, you know, once a, a listing hits, hits the public, it's very difficult, very competitive. Uh, and it's very important if at that point that you align yourself with, you know, with someone who's very experienced, uh, has, a, has a great track record to make your offer just be as attractive as, as you can, which you should always do. But the magic happens when the broker calls you up a couple of weeks before they have the listing done and they'll, they'll say, hey, Kyle, I got this deal because you had just met with them you know, a couple of weeks ago. I got this deal. You know, if you come in like 2.3 million, you know, I don't have to list it because I'm lazy. And then I'll send you the, the P&L and the rent roll. You do some quick analysis of 2.3, that's a pretty good price. And you put it on the contract and it never sees a light of day. And that's where the magic happens. And that getting to that point, uh, you know, it doesn't take long. It might, might take, you know, two or three months. If you build the right relationship with a broker, maybe you meet them once or twice. You walk some properties, you take them to lunch. Uh, you've built your team. You, you're confident. Those are the kind of calls that you get. And that accelerates once you do your first deal, which is why the law of the first deal is so powerful. Because once you do your first deal, all the brokers know it. And you'll be the first person they call because they, they know this cow just closed the deal. And I don't have to list this deal, show it to a bunch of buyers who are going to fall out of closing and they'll just call you next time. Yeah, great. All right, Lolita's is going to take us into our final four questions. Are you ready? All right. All right, Michael, here we go. What is the one tool that you use in real estate investing that you cannot do without? That is a, that is a good question. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if it's specifically in real estate uh, investing specifically, but you know, there's a variety of tools that, uh, that we use just in, 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 I guess, our daily our daily, um, what we do. I mean, one obviously is Gmail for email and there's something called boomerang, a uh, boomerang for, for Gmail, which I find very, very useful because, uh, because it helps bring a message back into your inbox if you don't get a reply from someone. So if you have a lot of, uh, emails, that's very useful, uh, for tracking stuff, uh, for projects. We use monday.com. It's a project management tool. And we've also used it for things like, uh, like due diligence, uh, as well. So those are some of the productivity tools. I don't know. I, I don't know if there's anything specifically to real estate that I couldn't, um, you know, I couldn't do without. I think if you can afford it, um, having access to CoStar would be great. That sometimes will cost between $500 and $1,000 per month per metro area. So it's very, very expensive. Um, and we have some limited access to CoStar. But what the advantage of CoStar is that you get uh, access to rental comps, sales comps. You actually get access to owners of a property. Um, and so that's kind of uh, useful as well. Great. Can you tell us a story about your biggest mistake in real estate investing and what is the main takeaway for our listeners? Well, obviously we talked about the restaurant was kind of my main mistake. Um, I made a lot of mistakes in my first apartment building. It, uh, it's, uh, and again, it's because I didn't really have a mentor. I took a class, uh, but it was, it was pretty incomplete. Um, and it was a nightmare. Uh, that first building I did, it was also in a yeah, it was a, just a nightmare. And for the first 18 months, I had investors in a deal. I missed my performance by a mile for the first 18 months. And, and again, I think my takeaway is proper education and a mentor would have greatly helped. It's possible that, that mentor would have talked me out of this particular building of where it was uh, because landlord-tenant laws were very, very unfavorable, very difficult to do business for anyone, especially with someone, uh, a, a newbie like, like I was. So I think education is, 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 is key, uh, really, in that. That would have prevented that. And um, again, if you can afford it, a, a someone who is, is an experienced mentor, my gosh, it just, it just accelerates things so much. 
Yeah, great advice. What is it that you need to do now to grow your life to the next level? You know, I think it's all about the team. Uh, and and, it, and it, it doesn't matter where you are. If you were the first time, you know, active investor or even a passive investor, it's really the team around you. And putting people around you that have strengths that you don't have um, uh, or you can do things that they love to do and you don't like to do. And so in the active investing, you know, for example, one of the first hires should be some kind of virtual assistant, uh, for example. That's just a great example of, of, of things that are, that are administrative, repetitive, that you shouldn't be doing. Even if you have an employee, I, mean, I just had a conversation with a friend of mine. He's just a W-2 employee. And I said, hey, Dean, have you ever considered a VA? He goes, what? Goes, well, like, don't you do things? How many hours per week do you spend on these items? He goes, oh my gosh, like five hours a week. Like, have you considered just hiring a VA for like 10, 15 bucks? You can actually be more effective in your job. So thinking about ways uh, where you can incentivize them to bust their butt, right? Uh, uh, because they, they're, and it's all about the mission, right? Our mission is to help people become financially free with real estate. And that's an exciting mission, right? Our mission right now is to help, you know, a thousand people become financially free. And that's an exciting, uh, exciting mission. So a mission is very important. The culture and the values are important. And then create, creating incentives to keep people, to attract people and then keep them on board, uh, you know, equity or bonuses or things of that nature. So really looking at uh, who can I bring on the, on the team that, that, uh, that extracts me from day-to-day -day things that I might be good at, but I don't, I, maybe I don't love them, or it's most certainly not the best use of my time. As an active investor, you want to be raising money and, and finding deals. That's it. Anything else that distracts from those two, you got to try to delegate. Yep, agreed. Finally, where can people find out more about you? The website is themichaelblank.com. That's B-L-A-N-K, uh, uh, written blank, but pronounced funny. Uh, michaelblank.com. And we have a, a whole bunch of free resources, including a, a podcast. Uh, best way to find me is just type in apartment building investing. Uh, I should be I should be on, on page one of Google. And uh, we also have paid uh, online programs. We have mentoring programs, live events. Uh, the book is called Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing. Uh, it's on Amazon. It's a bright yellow book as, as well. So there you go. Perfect. Michael, thank you so much for being on the show, talking to us about the financial freedom with real estate investing, along with tips and pointers on how to get there. Listeners, if you haven't checked out his online co training course, I encourage you to. I know it'll add a lot of value to many of you like it did for Kyle and myself. So thanks so much for your time, Michael. Thank you so much. Thanks, Michael. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the passive income through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast and to get access to today's show notes and to previous shows, visit limitless-estates.com. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe to the podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in again next week for another episode.